Good morning. I'd like to welcome you to the adult class of Abundant Life Baptist Church, our Sunday school. We are, uh, are in volume two. This is our first um, first lesson on the miracles of Jesus. We've uh, uh, Dr. Sexton says that uh, there are about 35 uh, recorded miracles. Of course, we know John said that uh, if uh, if the miracles that he done everything he did was written down. The books of the world probably couldn't hold them. So we uh, we know these. This is what God has for us, and this is what God says. This is what you need, and so we're we're happy to receive that. Brother Bob Bunn, would you open us up in a word of prayer, please? <clears throat> Help me, Lord. Amen. Amen. The miracles of Jesus. Dr. Sexton begins his, uh, his second volume. He says, every word in the Bible is written because God gave it. Every word of it is true. Every word of it is holy. Every word of it is profitable. And every word is eternal. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished into all good works. If you go through those, there's nothing that we come in our daily lives that the Bible cannot address. We just we just need to to uh, to look, and uh, there's nothing that we can't find uh, in our daily lives that uh, God's word doesn't address. It says that for anything, for doctrine, you want to know. So what does the Bible say? Um, for reproof, what does the Bible say? We can always go back. Oh, I always thought this was, but the Bible says this. You know, I heard uh, one, uh, they asked a fellow one time, uh, it was Greg Laurie, he said, someone asked me, said, well, what happens when you come to the Word of God and when you come to a passage that, that uh, flies in the face of what you've believed before uh, that you didn't believe? He said, well, I changed my mind. He said, because the Word of God tells me that, so I have no right to believe anything other than what God's Word tells me. So reproof, you know, when we think, oh, well, we show it in the Word of God, and, and, and we can say, this is why we believe what we believe. This is why what you've said isn't quite scripturally correct. Um, we don't need to argue about it. Uh, we, need to, we need to contend for the faith, and we need to, in love, uh, I've always said that, you know, uh, the gospel is an accounting of good news, not an argument. So, our God is a miracle-working God. The Bible tells us in John 2, 11, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Dr. Sexton says, note two extremely important words in this verse, the miracles and glory. 
the miracles of the Lord Jesus manifest his glory. They point to the fact that he was not like any other man who had ever been born. Miracles are found throughout the scriptures. The first miracle that the Lord Jesus performed is actually the miracle of his creation. This miracle is recorded for us in the book of Genesis. <clears throat> now, you know, sometimes uh, we need to be sure that we account to people that, that Jesus wasn't, didn't come into existence 2,000 plus years ago. He, was, he always existed. God the Son always existed. Yes, his, when he took on human form, when he, when he became a man, we can point to the time that, that that was. But Jesus, God the Son, was always, exi always existent, coexistent with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says in Genesis 1-1, <clears throat> In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Dr. Sexton goes on to say, if you wonder who the Lord is speaking of in Genesis 1-1, consider Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Speaking of Christ, the Bible says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the day, Lord. We know it's cold outside, but it's warm in here, and, and our word, your word should warm our hearts. We just pray that, Father, as we study your word, that you would get, have us to get those things that we need to be better Christians, and, Father, be better workers in the kingdom. Go with us. Forgive us when we do sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dr. Sexton says, think of this. All things were created by him and for him. You know, there are a lot of people, they say, well, you know, I just don't know what my purpose is in life. Well, there you go. There's your purpose. You know, we're told to fear God and keep his commandments in Ecclesiastes. Yeah, I can save you a lot of psychiatric help. Fear God, keep his commandments. Now, that doesn't mean that there are some people who, who need a little help reasoning out things, but go to a good Christian psychologist. Don't go to some Yahoo that's got a bunch of, who's going to let you blame someone else for your sin. We are responsible for our own sin. And someone who explains your sin to you, you come to the one who can take it away, not someone who will explain it to you and let you blame someone else. Okay? Let's do that. Let's go to him. There are many miracles found in the Old Testament, but we are going to give our attention to the miracle of Jesus Christ recorded in the gospel records. These are the miracles we find in the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are about 35 different miracles of Christ given in the gospel records. Dr. Sexton goes on to say, As we consider the subject of miracles, it will be most helpful to know what a miracle is. Many people call just about anything a miracle. You know, uh, when some, we pray for someone and someone is very sick and, and we, we, they get better, we think, well, that's a miracle. Well, it's wonderful. It's God's providence. They get better. We pray for them. They get better. Hey, prayer works. But it's, it, 
you could explain something there because there are people who go into spontaneous remission that ne were never prayed for or no one knows they were prayed for. They might have been. But that you can explain it. But when a withered hand becomes whole, when a dead person walks up and medical science can't explain that. That's a miracle. When a man born from birth is, is lame and can't walk, that's a miracle. Those things, the providence of God is is fantastic. And the power of prayer, you know, we're told that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. So we're told to pray. So we're not, we don't, we pray for God's providence and if, that if God will, if he wills, that the person we pray for will get better. So miracles and the providence of God are two different things. They're both profound. They're both great. But these miracles were performed for a reason. We're going to find out for a reason. For, for, we're going to find out uh, the nature of the miracles, and we're going to find out why they're performed. The devil can also work miracles by supernatural power, but the miracles we're considering are the miracles of Christ. See, all the devil can do is copycat. He can't do it. He doesn't have anything. You know, I'd like to have seen the Lord say, okay, I'll let you do it for one day. Keep this creation in together. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. He was a wannabe, a liar and a, and a cheat, and the father of all lies. The Bible tells us that. He was a wannabe. When we consider the miracles of Jesus, we need to know and make note of certain things. First, we need to realize that they were performed in the presence of witnesses. It's important to remember. Second, these miracles cannot be duplicated by a scientific effort. You know, uh, miracles cannot be repeated with man's effort, man's intellect, or some scientific achievement. A third thing we need to remember about these miracles is that they were given for a high and noble purpose to help people and to glorify God. The miracles of our Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated his deity. Mark 2, 7 tells us that and gave support to the fact that he is the promised Messiah. Uh, we find that in Matthew 9, 27. Every miracle illustrates a deeper spiritual truth. Uh, Dr. Sexton says involving the nature, involving nature, he says we consider the miracles uh, we find out that Jesus had control over nature. He had control over the wind. He had control over the seas. Man can't do that. Man's tinkering around trying to, trying to control the weather. That's going to go bad. I don't know if anybody who ever thought that was a good idea, uh, but uh, that's, another, that's another lesson. But the Lord said, peace be still to the wind and the waves, and, and they were stilled. Um, you know, uh, Mark 4, 41 says, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, they're going to find out a little later that not only the wind and sea obey him, but death itself obeys him. Death itself obeys him. The human body, we've, we find miracles regarding the human body. The lame were made whole, withered hands were straightened. Blinded eyes were made to see. Miraculous works of God were performed on the human body. The Bible says in Matthew 1, or I'm sorry, Matthew 11, 4 and 5, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again 
those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. You know, Jesus, when, when John's disciples came to him, you know, John was, was, a, was a good man. John was a godly man. Uh, John, Jesus said no greater prophet was born than John the Baptist. But John had his moment of personal doubt. He sent his disciples to Christ and said, well, you know, here I am in prison. Uh, are, are you the one that we, or should we look for another? You know, Jesus could have said, what are you talking about? You're my cousin. You know, you saw him. You, you, you baptized me. You saw the Holy Spirit descending. You, what, are you, what are you talking about? That's not what he did. He went out and he said, let me show you. And he started these things, healing people. And he said, you go back and show John. Tell John what you've seen. And even the demons have to obey him. Dr. Sexton says, There are also miracles concerning demons and demon, demonic forces. People who were possessed with demons had them cast out as Christ proved his power over the devil and, his, and the demons. We, re, we read in Mark 1.27, And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. They don't obey him because they want to. They obey him because they have to. You know, the multiplication of food is another miracle. You know, we can't produce food out of thin air. Jesus took a little loaves, a few fish, and fed a multitude of people. And uh, when they took the remainder up, or was 12, one, one for each of the disciples to carry. I wonder if there's a lesson there. <laughs> one for each of them. How are we going to feed these people, Lord? We don't have the money to do that. How are we going to do it? Uh, I'll show you how you're going to do it, and I'll give you enough left over, and each of you can have a basket. Some of Christ's miracles involved the multiplication of food. The Lord Jesus took a little boy's lunch, multiplied it, and fed 5,000 hungry men. That's men, that notwithstanding the women and the children. The Bible says in Matthew 14, verses 15 through 21, Matthew 14, verses 15 through 21, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the village and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes, he said. Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they had eaten, and they that had eaten, were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So about 5,000 men ate, plus the women and children. And even, as we said before, even death 
he was, the death was subject to him also. It says, we also find miracles that have to do with the restoration of life. On three occasions, according to Scripture, the Lord Jesus brought a dead body back to life. Perhaps the most familiar of these accounts is found in John chapter 11. Christ said, Lazarus, come forth. We find that in 11, John 11, 43. And Lazarus, who had been dead for four days, came forth out of the grave. Four days. No, no chance that he was there in a coma. No chance that he was there. His, his sister said, by this time he's starting to stink. Uh, you know, man has no remedy for death. No remedy. Jesus' birth was also a miracle. Dr. Sexton says, Our Lord is a miracle-working God. Consider the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that His birth was miraculous. No one was ever born like the Lord Jesus was born. He was born without the aid of a man. He was conceived by the Spirit of God and born of a virgin. A virgin brought forth what God sent forth. You think of that. God sent Him forth. The Father sent Him forth. And he came gladly. He considered it joy. Scripture tells us that. That he considered uh, what he did as joy. Christ did not begin in the manger. He did not begin with that virgin birth. He is co-equal, co-existent, and eternally existent with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. The birth was a miracle. His birth was a miracle. His life was a miracle. No man can live without sin except him. Except him. Another miracle. Dr. Sexton says, No one ever lived a life like Jesus Christ. He lived a sinless, perfect life. No one appeared in glory on this earth as Christ appeared when the Shekinah glory of God, the garment of deity, adorned him on the Mount of Transfiguration. No man was transfigured miraculously as was Christ. His life was a miracle. So wouldn't you think that if his birth was a miracle, his life was a miracle, wouldn't you think his death was also a miracle? <laughs> you know, we, we die, people say natural causes. Well, we die when, when God says it's ready, ready for us to die. Scripture tells us that these Romans, the ones who, who put him on the cross, and these Jews who instigated that, they never took his life. You know, on the cross, he said, I commend my spirit. I commend my spirit. He laid it down uh, voluntarily. They didn't take anything from him. He gave it to them to their benefit. They just didn't realize it. Dr. Sexton says, no one ever died like Jesus Christ died. His death was a miraculous death because he dismissed his own spirit. He was in charge of his own death. No one ever came forth from the grave bodily like Jesus Christ came forth, alive forevermore, a miraculous death, and a miraculous resurrection. You think anybody can stand on the ground and raise up and go out of sight? His ascension, also a miracle. Everything about Jesus was a miracle. We think about the miracles he performed. His whole existence here on this earth was miraculous. 
No one ever ascended as Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, defying all the laws of nature as he ascended upward to heaven. Miraculous in birth, miraculous in life, miraculous in death. Transfiguration, miraculous in his resurrection, miraculous in his ascension. Dr. Sexton goes on to say, as Christians, we have a worldview that the unbeliever does not have. Amen to that. A lot of people say, I, you, you, I just, I don't know what you see in the book. I don't know that book's 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 years old. What, uh, you know, what, what do you, what do you get out of that? I just don't see it. I, I'm reminded one time, uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee was not saying he said it, but he was telling of a preacher who told this fellow, you don't see it because your eyes are blinded. And he said, you don't see it because you don't want to see it. He said, I have a feeling you love your sin more than you love your soul. <laughs> so, you know, we need to, uh, to make sure that, uh, that we're, uh, what we do is done for the right purposes, not to be seen of men, but we, we need to be um, uh, honoring God. Now, doc, uh, Dr. Sexton, it's the purpose of the miracles. We're getting down to the purpose. He said, the miracles of Christ are given to us with a purpose. Of course, we will consider what was done, but we must look beyond what was done and understand why the miracles were performed. They were performed with a purpose. In John 5, 36, the Bible says, but I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. No one else could do what Jesus did. He performed the miracles. You know, he asked one one time, he said, well, what, what's, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or arise and walk? You know, anybody, I can say your sins are forgiven. Well, they wouldn't be. But... He said, your sins are forgiven. And he said, arise and walk. And they could arise and walk. So Jesus performed the miracles. It was, it was, it was one um, record. It was one witness that God the Father had sent him. That he wasn't just some, you know, there are men who came before Jesus claiming to be the Messiah. Claiming to and they all ended ignominiously. They all ended usually dead. So he wasn't the first one to claim that. He was the first and only one to give proof of that. The purpose in the miracles is to bear witness that Jesus Christ is God's Son, the anointed of God, the Savior of the world. Dr. Sexton says, as we read our Bibles... Believing what we find in the Bible to be truth, let us look for this great purpose. The purpose is that people might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And then in the believing that they might be saved. That's the reason Jesus came. He came that sinful man might be reconciled to a holy God. There's no way that that could happen without someone paying the price. That's why he lived a sinless life. He didn't have any sin to pay for himself.
the power displayed in the miracles. In Luke chapter 7, we read the story about John the Baptist inquiring of Christ. The Word of God says in Luke 7, 19 through 22, uh, Luke 7, 19 through 22, And John called unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the, to the poor the gospel is preached. You know, Jesus could have said, Yes, I am. Go back and tell John he's done what... I am, I, am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. He didn't do that. He gave him proof. He proved to him. The principle of the miracles. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty 20 through 24, Then began he to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Dr. Sexton goes on to say, this is a principle found in the miracles. Lord Jesus pronouncing the judgment that the miraculous things that were done to these, those people in Capernaum had been done in Sodom, Sodom would exist to this day. Now they didn't have the opportunity to repent. You know, remember, God gave Nineveh the opportunity. Then they did repent. Sodom didn't have the opportunity to repent. They were a very, very wicked people. The principle Christ declared was that God had privileged them to see something, to witness something, to be a part of something to look at something they could see and that made them more accountable because of that. We have the Word of God. We have the Great Commission. So we're, held, we're going to be held accountable for what we did for Him. It doesn't involve our salvation. It doesn't involve being in heaven. But there are rewards and you know, if you think that the only rewards are five crowns that we're going to put at his feet, you got another thing coming. Paul said that eyes haven't seen or ears heard those things that God has prepared for those that love him. So it's not just five crowns we're going to get. I don't know what it's going to be, but you can lose some of those rewards. You can lose them. So... It's, it behooves us to work as hard as we can 
uh, in love, uh, not just to gain rewards, but, you know, if you're going to be in heaven anyway, why shouldn't you have as many rewards? You know, J. Vernon McGee said, you know, I don't expect to get what Paul got. He said, but I'd like to get a little something. You know, we should all want to strive for something more than just being there. Now, if you're there, you're not in hell. And that's a, that is a great blessing. You, you, I'm not taking anything away from that. But there are rewards in heaven that some people will lose because... need to do is work in love in reverence and fear and and Jesus will take care of the rest he's not going to slight you one little bit not going to slight you one little bit as we witness the miracles one by one studying them talking about them and gleaning from God's word what God has for us in them this same principle will be at work in our lives. What we know, what we witness, what we read in the Word of God, what we have experienced in our lives, what God has done for us and for our churches make us so much more accountable than others who do not know. Think about that. Uh, once you know Him, it's incumbent upon us to make Him known. As we witness the miracles, you know, uh, he did them for a reason. He did them for a purpose. There's a principle behind it. So we are more accountable than those who haven't heard or those who have never experienced what we've experienced. In this country, we have the Word of God. We can freely read it. There are people who, who invite death and risk death by having a Bible in their possession. We haven't got to that place in this country yet. You know, I'm, I am firmly believe this country has gone so far away from the Lord that it's not funny. But, you know, there's a remnant still here that love him. There's a remnant that still serve him. And I believe that God is staying his judgment on America because of that remnant. One day that remnant is going to be removed to the rapture of the church. And then we're going to find out exactly what man has brought upon himself. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be funny, not going to be, not going to be pretty. That's why we're told to, I remember O.B. Green, I think he always signed off, Dear Lord, save the soul closest to hell. It was his firm desire that those who are closest to death would hear the gospel one more time and have one more chance. That's what we're tasked to do is to save those who are bound for hell. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Dr. Sexton says, even in the same church, there are those who are more accountable than others. No one knows exactly who the people are, but some people are more accountable because of what they have experienced in their walk uh, what they have seen God do. And I will say this also, we're going to be more accountable for our wherewithal to be able to help, our, our wherewithal to be able to, to uh, affect things as a church in a positive way. We hold that back. You know, 
The Bible tells us that every time God gives, he gives according to his riches. Not out of his riches. He gives according to his riches. You know, if, if uh, I were a multi-billionaire and I said, Brother Ronnie, I, I like you. I'm going to give you $10,000. Ronnie said, all right. What's $10,000 to a multi-billionaire? Nothing. He's giving out of his riches. If I said, Brother Ronnie, I got $50 billion. I'm, I'm going to give you a billion. I would be giving according to my riches, not out of. We need to make sure we give according to what God has blessed us with, not out of what God's blessed us with. Every Christian should live a holy life and determine to walk closer to God. Let us love the Lord more for what we have seen and experienced in our own lives. Dr. Sexton says, how foolish it is to compare ourselves to other people when God has dealt individually with us. You know, if you want to compare yourself, compare yourself with Jesus. Don't compare yourself. With, you'll, look, you'll come out looking real pretty good. Compare yourself with me, especially if you're in a foot race. But we compare ourselves to the Lord. Now, if you want to compare yourself to somebody, compare yourself with him. Or if you want to compare yourself to a, a, a man born of woman, compare yourself to the Apostle Paul. I'd say Paul's back looked like a road map. It was so scarred. He'd been whipped, been beaten. You know, and it was, it was against the law to whip a Roman citizen. And he never told, him, told people he was a Roman citizen until after they whipped him. He, he took the punishment. As we think about our America, this country, I love this country. And he says, our beloved America. And what we've experienced in this country, the blessing of God has been poured out bountifully upon us. Think of what we have received from the mighty hand of God. God has singularly blessed our nation. He certainly has. He singularly blessed the nation of Israel too until he said enough. Enough. One day if America doesn't repent, he's going to say enough. I don't know whether it's going to be in the rapture of the church. I don't know whether it's going to be we're doing a very good job, a very good job of tearing ourselves down from within. I think the nations of the world say, let's just give them a little more time. They'll, they'll, they'll destroy themselves. God will not hold other nations in judgment because of how he's blessed us. He will hold us in judgment. He's not going to hold Afghanistan in judgment for what we've done. He's going to hold us for, for what we've done. He's going to hold Afghanistan for what they've done. The nations and those people, you know, the nations are going to be judged, but who's in the nations? The people. And judgment comes to individuals. Yes, individuals make up nations. The nations will be judged. But every one of us will be judged individually. The whole world. Dr. Sexton says God's going to, God is going to hold us in judgment that he's not going to hold other nations through because of how he has blessed us. While we are thankful to God for the way he has blessed and worked in our lives, we must not forget our personal accountability to him. You know, he's blessed the nation, but you know, at night we need to say, Dear Lord, 
I thank you for the blessings that you have given me. I'd say we're all in a bed. We're all warm, well-fed. So God has richly blessed us. I've said, told you before, he's not only given me my needs, he's given me quite a few of the things I want. Everything? No. <laughs> but he gave me what I needed, and he gave me things that, you know, the Holy Spirit says you pray for something. He says, I love you too much to give you that. I'm not giving you that because I know what you'll do with it. And so, you know, we tell our children no sometimes because we love them, not because we don't want them to have whatever they want. Our Heavenly Father does the same things to us. But yes, he will give us some of our wants also. But he's going to give us everything that we need. Our biggest need came in that little baby 2,000 plus years ago in that manger. That was our greatest need. He supplied that. If he supplied that, he's going to supply all of our needs. Dr. Sexton says, as we study the miracles of the Lord Jesus, remember that the purpose of these miracles is to bear witness that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Remember also the power of our miracle working Savior. He is still able to change lives today. Every time a hell-bound sinner repents and comes to Jesus, that's a miracle. Because the Bible tells us unless the scales are lifted off your eyes, you're blinded by the devil. But through the preaching of the word, the Holy Spirit speaks to hearts, opening their eyes to the danger their souls are in. They still have a choice to make. You can make that choice. You can choose him or not choose him. He's still able to change lives today. And remember, the principle is always at work. As we witness the miracles of our Savior, we are accountable to him. We're accountable to him to make him known. We're accountable to him to tell others what he's done for us. What he's done for us. Let's go to our... Uh, our workbooks quickly. On Monday, read Mark 6, 30-32. What was the original intent of the disciples' journey to that desert place we talked about? What, what did Jesus send them there to start with? Yeah, it was just to rest. They'd just come back and he said, I'm going to send you here to rest a little bit. So that was, that was what the original intent was. Now, did Jesus know that there were going to be a multitude? Sure he did. It's because the Bible says he already knew what he was going to do when he asked about, about feeding the people. He already knew what he was going to do. Tuesday, in Mark 6, 34, why was the Lord Jesus moved with compassion on the people? Why did he say, yeah, they were a sheep without a shepherd, and he knew sheep without a shepherd always, always go astray. They always get in trouble. Thursday, according to John 6, 5 through 7, what question did Christ ask Philip? And what did, why did he ask the question? What did he ask him? Basically asking where they could, where they could buy bread. He said, oh, you, you give them bread. You see, the, the disciples wanted to send them away. <laughs> Christ said, no, we're going to feed them. Friday, read John 5, 11. Now, I don't know if you all noticed this. There's, that's a little bit of, that's a typo. 
It's not John 5, 11, it's John 6, 11. Yeah, John 5, 11 is uh, the man explaining who healed his uh, infirmity to where he could walk. When I looked, I thought, well, that's, that's not quite right there. What's... And so I looked at John um, uh, 6, 11, and that's, that's where we find it. it. says, where did the disciples get the bread and fish to feed the small boy? What do we learn from this? Oh, I just I just gave it away, didn't I? Hmm. Okay, I, I wouldn't I couldn't fill in for uh, uh, Ken Jennings, could I? <laughs> I'd be giving the answers out. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. So now uh, they got them from a small boy. What do we learn from this? I'm not giving that away. <laughs> what do we learn from that? Have faith. Trust Jesus. They're going to feed them. We're going to feed them. Saturday, how did Jesus Christ identify himself in John 6, 35? He is the bread of life, the bread of life. Doesn't make any difference what we have, uh, how full our bellies are. Yes. I did. And I, I didn't. Uh, uh, said from Mark 6, 35 and 36, how did the disciples' attitude toward the people differ from Christ's attitude toward them? I, I, I had said they wanted to send them away, so I kind of skipped over that one. I skipped over that one. I, my bad. But they wanted to send them away, and Jesus said, no, have them sit down. We're going to feed them. We're going to feed them. Uh, he knew what he was going to do. So, yes, Wednesdays, uh, the, the disciples, it says, uh, how was the disciples' attitude toward the people different from Christ's attitude for them? Well, Christ's attitude for them, he had compassion on them. And uh, he was going to feed them also. So, yes. Um, Brother Ronnie, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer, please? Yes, help us. Thank you, Lord, for help. Amen. Amen.